One month from now, Tracktown USA will officially be at the center of the track and field universe. The World Athletics Championships will be held in the U.S. for the first time in history. Is Eugene ready for the world's largest standalone track and field event, which will be broadcast to an audience across the globe? I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with the Oregonian. Up next, the Oregonian and Oregon Live's Jayathi Ramakrishnan and Jeff Manning. We talked about how Eugene businesses and the city are preparing for the championships, what types of crowds are expected, some of the events and athletes to watch, and what we suggest visitors should do for fun in and around Eugene. Here's our conversation. Jayathi and Jeff, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Jayathi, let's start with you. You were down in Eugene recently to do some reporting about the World Championships coming a month from now, essentially, down to Eugene. What did you learn about how the city and local businesses are preparing for this massive event? It's going to be a big deal. A lot of businesses are expecting bigger crowds than they've ever seen. And most are trying to staff up, uh, you know, Hiring has been a challenge throughout the pandemic, and a lot of businesses are going to be trying to make up for the deficits that they've had. And so most of the businesses I talk to, whether that's restaurants, bars, markets, you know, even a local bike shop, they all said pretty much number one priority is staffing up. Many of them are also going to be extending their hours. Obviously, there's going to be events going on at odd hours of the day, you know, people coming around from all over the world. So many businesses will be trying to accommodate, you know, this huge crush of people. It's going to be a little bit challenging, I think, for some. But the sense I got from most of the people I talked to is that they're excited. Eugene's not a stranger to big events, you know, football games, track meets, but this is bigger than anything the city has ever seen. And the local business owners that I talked to are looking forward to kind of having a busy summer. Yeah. Can you give a sense of how many, I know it's hard to guess uh, how many people are going to come, but um, this is a 10-day event. Do we have any sense of how many people might be in Eugene uh, to either work or or witness the um, track event? I asked a few people this question, and most of them said it's hard to predict overall how many people are going to be there. Um, the way that many of them, like the local tourism bureau and um, folks at the city, the way that they put it was it's easier to look at how many people are going to be at the field, at, at Hayward Field each day. And they were estimating between twenty and 25,000 reporters, you know, mm-hmm. staff, volunteers. So yeah, twenty to 25,000 each day. And I think I did see, you know, some events are going to have as many as like 50 or 55,000 there. Wow. All right, Jeff, can you take us on a little history recap here? How did we get to the point where, you know, Eugene, which is Track Down USA, but we're hosting this world famous event. How did we get to this point? Well, that's a long story. Uh, and it is still sort of steeped in shadow. But uh, uh, first, Eugene, uh, it was Vin Lanana, former track coach at Uvo, who had the vision of bringing the world championships to uh, to Eugene, which it, people sort of dismissed as ludicrous. But he had a secret weapon that uh, no one else had, and that was Nike. And Nike supported him. Somehow, Vin got a meeting with Lamine Diak, 
the uh, head of IAAF at the time in Japan. It was only Vindalanana and Louis Diak in the room. No one else was there. And the next thing you know, Diak is announcing, oh yeah, we're sending the world championships in uh, in uh, 2019 to, to Eugene. And everybody's like, excuse me? What about the process? That What about the bidding process? Um, the Swedes were fighting mad because they were they had submitted a bid and uh, the whole process had gone out the window. Just about the same time, the IAAF leadership had come under fire for corruption. And uh, this is the Global Track Federation, right? That oversees. It was yeah. the federation that DIAC was head of. And uh, he was indicted. His son was indicted. Uh, and the for a long time, people suspected that the Eugene bid was at the heart of that investigation. I don't know if it was. I was never able to figure that out. Um, Vin always insisted that he'd never been talked to by the feds, which turned out to be not true. And um, that didn't inspire any confidence in Vin uh, with anybody, including Nike and the U of O. So he was soon out. But uh, and he's become track coach at the University of Virginia. But that left the folks in Eugene. Uh, you know, someone had to pick the ball up and and make this happen. And they they did. They brought in a professional from London uh, to head the organization. And it looks like they're going to pull it off. This might be self-explanatory to a lot of people, but when you said just at the beginning there that it was laughable for Eugene to have the World Track and Field Championships, why was that the perception um, back in the day? Because this is, uh, you know, the governing body always insists that this is the second largest, second most prestigious, second most watched sporting event in the world besides the Olympics, and I'm sure the NFL may have something to say about that, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it is a huge event, and it's historically gone to the Londons and Parises and Moscows of the world. Eugene may be tracked down USA, but uh, they're not Paris, London, Moscow. So it's going to be really interesting to see the how the town you know hosts this number of people, and uh, uh, you know what I hope to see. I finally hope to see a sold out Hayward. Because, boy, there have been a lot of empty seats in the track meets leading up to, to the world championships. Yeah, Jayathi, what's it feel like when you're down in, in Eugene right now? I mean, does it, do you see kind of, is there a lot of signage around? I mean, just paint the scene in terms of like what you saw when you were down there. I wouldn't say in terms of signage or, you know, stuff that looks like it's explicitly for the event. I didn't see any of that. What I did see is, you know, you and I are both ducks, but from a while ago Correct. and it looks totally different and there's you know new hotels there's new businesses it's definitely grown and what i learned you know talking to some city staff is that there are a lot of projects that happened leading up to this event they weren't necessarily for this you know world track and field championships but they were kind of expedited or you know this this gave them a deadline for a lot of things so you know, finishing Hayward Field. Uh, right. There's like a, a big farmer's market pavilion downtown that got finished um, in time for this. There's a lot of big projects that this sort of prompted the city or local entities to to complete. And so it does look different. I haven't seen anything like, you know, we're not seeing 
at least I was down there in May and you know, there, it, you're not looking around, you're not going to say, oh, okay, the track and field championships are here, like right around the corner. Um, but when you talk to people, it's in the air for sure. Mm-hmm. It's changed. Like <laughs> it's, a, it's a much bigger and busier city than when you and I were there. Yeah. And, and Jeff, you mentioned Hayward Field itself, which I've seen photos. I have not seen it in person, the new Hayward, which really doesn't bear any resemblance to the old Hayward. What's it like? You've been there, right? I have been there. Um, it is really, really impressive, beautiful, mostly under, not undercover. So people are exposed to the sun and the rain in a way that they weren't at the old Hayward. And that has pr- proven to be unpopular mm-hmm. uh, with a lot of people. Because you'll remember in, in back in the day of the old Hayward, for all its shortcomings, both the main section right next to the finish line and the uh, other grandstands were uh, – mostly undercover. And believe me, I was at the trials last June during the heat dome. And thank God we left, or I left before it got really bad. Mm-hmm. But even when it was, you know, more normal, 85 degrees, when you were in the sun, that something about that stadium sort of reflects the heat and it, it, it was hmm. unbearable. And we finally found a friendly usher who let us sit in the shade up in the nosebleed section so that's that could be interesting depending on how the, how the weather is uh, uh come come july 15th but but don't get me wrong it, it, overall it is a stunning facility and uh, you know track and field is lucky to have it u of o is lucky to have it so uh jayathy uh you mentioned hotels a little bit uh, obviously there's uh you know when i think of eugene hotels i guess i think think of like the Phoenix Inn and that, that's about it on Franklin yeah. back in the day. Um, Classic. You know, are there enough hotel rooms for the journalists and uh, observers and spectators? Are people going to be driving from Portland down? I mean, what's the situation? Yeah, there's definitely not enough hotel rooms. So that I would say from from going down there for my trip, it was probably the biggest takeaway of, you know, things they're not ready for. Um the capacity, you know, Eugene and the in Lane County does not have the capacity to accommodate this type of crowd that they're expecting. So there is about 4,400 hotel rooms in the county, I think is what I heard. And that's not near enough. So people, those have been booked up for months. And, you know, according to, to the um, travel Lane County, Eugene or the local tourism bureau. Um, they're trying to get people to rent out um, their houses or even just individual rooms through Airbnb or Vacasa. And I think they've had some success with that. The um, tourism bureau told me that that's added at least another thousand probably, but maybe it's a little more. They didn't have the numbers for the rest of the county, but within the city, they estimate that's given them another thousand. Um, but yeah, people people are going out to Corvallis, mm-hmm. Roseburg, Portland, um, Florence. There's, you know, it's going to be booked up pretty far and wide. And then another challenge, another thing I think they're not ready for is, or is, is going to be a challenge at least, is um, traffic and, you know, getting to Eugene. Like if you don't have a car and you're coming from another state or another country, um, if you want to rent a car, it's going to be tough. Yeah, mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's there's a lot of public transit options, but 
yeah, that's that's another thing that I think is going to be a challenge for sure. If you really want to find a place, there's a guy who's put his uh, 28-foot RV on uh, VRBO. I will somewhere be between Drain and Yonkala. Far uh, away so. from that event. <laughs> I don't like the crowds, but thank you. You got a problem with Yonkala? No, absolutely not. I love Drain. <laughs> okay. Love Drain. Right. Drive through there all yeah, the time. Yeah, the Drain, Yonkala. Yeah. Metroplex. Um, so Jeff, Jeff, I'm curious what what kind of what are you? We're going to talk about the events itself and some of that, you know, other stuff. But what other questions do you have with your, you know, investigative reporter hat on as you kind of look at this event and how it's going to play out? Well, I'm really interested to see what attendance is going to be at the NCAA's. Uh, I'm really in, interested in what attendance will be at the nationals. I mean, that's a, you, that would normally be an, a, just a lock sellout at Hayward because it is a, a amazing event, mm-hmm. almost as good as the world's. I don't know how it's going to go this year. You know, it's not like this new Hayward is a huge facility. I thought it was going to be significantly bigger than the old Hayward, and it looks significantly bigger, but capacity is 12,000 and change, and they're not filling it up. They're not filling it up. So... Anyway, that's going to be interesting. The track geek in me wants to see what happens there. Have there been, you know, the the classic Hayward like rhythmic clapping, um, you know, for the for the long jump and stuff like that? Yeah, oh yeah. The fans are still enthusiastic. Mm. They're just they it looks more sparse. Uh, and then there's the Tower of Sauron down <laughs> in the corner that uh, is really annoying. Um, I don't get that. I was I saw that and I was like, what is that? Yeah, I could they have put in like put that money into anything besides that? Um, anyway. this is the giant kind of spiral tower that is, um, from what I can tell from photos, but right, it's got like images of uh track athletes, uh, new and old on, on it. Yeah, yes, indeed. I've heard some derogatory names for it that we won't repeat here on this podcast because <laughs> this is a family program. But um, yeah. So I, let, let me tell you about some good news. Uh, you know, I know that's strange coming from me, but uh, I talked to this couple who opened up the Mount Tom house up in the Coburg Hills. It's a little six room boutique hotel. It looks really nice. They uh, up near Harrisburg, about 25 miles north mm-hmm. of Eugene. They opened right as the epidemic, as the pandemic was beginning. And yep. so it was pretty lean for two years. They are sold out for this event. One of the big companies coming in booked the whole place. And uh, they are happy campers. They are loving the world championships. Um, and that's supposedly going to that in concentric circles as visitors are locked out of Eugene, they will go to the Mount Tom Inn and the Ranch Hotel down in uh, Rice Hill, we hope, and they hope, and I think mm-hmm. that's inevitably going to happen. So that's nice. Um, I think that transportation is going to be interesting. Um, I've I've got a house 30 miles up the Mackenzie River, and getting into Eugene every day mm-hmm. is going to be, I don't know how difficult it's going to be, but uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, the, the folks who brought this here, they deserve a lot of credit. Yeah. Before we take a break, I want to ask about the the tourism piece a little bit. Uh, Jayathi, you reported on that and have mm-hmm. talked to the the local officials. And I mean, we're generally pretty skeptical, I think, of as reporters of these economic development booms that are tied to sporting events, uh, you know, it, 
whether it's a minor league baseball club or what have you. But I think this might be a little different when you're talking about a one one event that draws a lot of people. I mean, this could be a big deal for an area that draws a lot of visitors, but maybe not at this time of year. I think it's going to be a big deal. I don't think it's going to you know, make up for the losses of the past two years. And I don't know that anybody else, I think there are some businesses that may be expecting that. One thing I heard from the Tourism Bureau is that, um, you know, some hotels, one of the challenges is price gouging. Hotels are charging like three, four, five times what they normally would. Um, and and the Tourism Bureau said they're trying to discourage that. And, and with that exact thought in mind, you're not going to make up for a two-year pandemic or, you know, however long. And but yeah, I, I don't know. I think that most of the people I talk to are approaching it realistically. Like, you know, this is a boon. This is a big um, opportunity for us to, you know, get people from all over the world, show off our local produce, local wares, and things like that. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be like, you know, like erase the pain. Right? That sounds silly to say, but it's not going to erase the last two years economically for businesses. That's that's what I that's my what I got from talking to people. There's also concern that uh, that uh, same same concern as you hear in Portland that uh, there's a crime problem, there's a homelessness problem that is really bad in, in downtown in particular, and a lot of concern by on the city council that uh, here's our shot to show ourselves off to the world, and it just so happens it's taking place as a uh, just as we're going through this really weird time of social, you know, displacement and uh, uh, which is resulting in, you know, the same things that are that we're facing in Portland. Oh, that'll be something interesting to watch. Uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk just a bit more with Jeff Manning and Jayathi Ramakrishnan. Jeff, you are the resident track head here on this panel. I think it's safe to say. Um, I don't know, Jayathi, am I speaking out of turn there? No, no, you're <laughs> okay. right. Uh, I, my track knowledge goes back uh, a very specific window from like, you know, when I was in school from 02 to 06 and then covering the trials. So Andrew Weeding, I know no one else I really know. What events are you you know, primed or excited to to watch Jeff in this 10-day uh, extravaganza? What athletes are you interested in watching? You know, it just hit me, Andrew, that you and uh, Weeding are sort of separated at birth. You you, you look like you could be brothers. Um, He's a little faster, okay. slightly. He's got the Olympic hardware too. So let me let me run down the list here. There's it's a long list. It's going to be a great competition and lots of Oregon. Oregonians and Oregon connections here. Ryan Krauser, he is so he he's in the shot put. He's the best in the world. He is so good that they are they are seriously considering enlarging the area, the the pit, because he is put throwing that shot put so far. Um, he's he's the Wilt Chamberlain of shot puts. Is that what you're saying? To put it on something Jayathi and I know when, you know, basketball, when they change the rules for Wilt or Shaq. I think in the long run, they'll probably say that Wilt Chamberlain is the uh, Ryan Krauser of basketball. <laughs> um, and Ryan, is he's from Gresham, right? Or he's from East County? Or where is he from? Uh, the television announcers always love to say he's from Boring. Um, and as track fans out there will know, he is the 
son and nephew of the famous Krauser brothers who also were fantastic track athletes, but not as good as Ryan. So okay. the men's 1500, always the best event at any track meet. Um, not that uh, I'm jaundiced or anything. You've got uh, this red-hot young Norwegian, uh, Jacob Ingebrigtsen, um, and a great veteran Kenyan, Timothy Chariot, who will likely be fighting it out. Uh, they're both great competitors. And then there are the two ducks, the former ducks, Cole Hawker and Cooper Tier. They, uh, at the pre, they all race together in the 15. And uh, Hawker and Tier, who are, you know, kids compared to the rest of these guys, they did really well. They, they, they both, I think they finished like fifth and sixth or something like that. But for guys who just turned pro, it was really impressive. And it'll be interesting to see, first of all, if they make the U.S. team, because that is really hard. Uh, and, and second of all, how they will do at Worlds. So they won't be able to compete in the World Championships unless they make the U.S. team before it, right? A lot of people say that making the U.S. team is the biggest accomplishment, the hardest team to make in the world. It's so darn competitive. Um, in, a way, in, a, in a lot of ways, it's tougher than the world's. Give us one more, Get one more event or athlete you're you're excited about, and then we'll talk about some other stuff. What about the decathlon? You've reported on the the decathlete, right? That's a great idea. That's a really fun event. Um, yeah, I had a great time writing a profile of a uh, young Ontario, Oregon native who's late, relatively late in life, become one of a really elite decathlete joe delgado from ontario he did he got hurt he tweaked his uh hammy uh, earlier this summer so he did not make the u.s team which was too bad but uh, uh, the decathlon of course is the event where each participant has to compete in 10 events the, you know remember ashton eaton was the world record holder for a while from u of o and uh he is retired, but there are some amazing athletes um, who are now sco scoring more than 9,000 points, which is, believe me, in, in the decathlon history is, you know, a, is way more significant than the four-minute mile. Um, so, uh, you know, whether Garrett Scantling and the other Americans are going to be able to make a dent against these 9,000-plus uh, performers only time will tell you know obviously Oregon has this incredible history in the decathlon um with Ashton Eaton and many others is Delgado is his career shot from missing this chance at the at the worlds or are we going to hear from him again down the line it was always going to be a tough thing for him to make that world championship team Joe is very methodical and determined, and his thing has always been slow, steady improvement, 300 points a year until he's really competitive with the best people in this country and then the world. And his, his goal has always been to peak at the next Summer Olympics in Paris next summer. So no, I don't think his career is over. He doesn't consider his career over. Um He's got a long way to go, but he's a really impressive guy, and uh, um, he is one tough cookie, and I don't think he should count him out. Well, we'll keep that name in mind in the future. Um, all right, Jayathi, let's pivot uh, as we close here to, you know, if there's anyone who's 
listening to this who's going to be coming to Oregon and Eugene for the trials, what are some of your favorite spots if you're grabbing a bite to eat down in in the huge? Well, I started telling you guys this before. My favorite spot, RIP, Eugene City Bakery. It's not there anymore. I'm convinced that they closed. They went out of business. They went out of business a few months after I left. So, I mean, you tell me. There's a Thai place called Tara Rin, which I went to a lot, like whenever parents were in town or friends, um, which is a little nicer. Um, and that's on, I think, 10th and Oak or 11th and Oak. That's really good. Um, off the waffle. Okay. So everybody was always talking about that in college. And I was like, oh, so overhyped. You know, everyone goes there. And then I went there when I was in town last month. And I got to say, like, it's not overhyped. It's good. So if I'm down there again, I'm going to go. And then if you're not, you know, it doesn't have to be food related, but any other um, Eugene favorite things to do? Yeah, Eugene is such a great town for just going on a, a day hike or like a nice, you know, nature walk right right around campus. Like if you need a break, my favorite was always Ridgeline Trail, which is a little bit farther out. Oh, I thought of one more uh, restaurant, my favorite, Hideaway Bakery, also on Amazon Park, I think, or Amazon uh, Drive. Okay, so that's those are some good spots, Jeff. How about you? What what are your what are you hitting in Eugene or doing um, if you're not eating or watching the best track athletes in the world? Of course, you go to Priest Trails. Of course, you do. Uh, you every, everyone should make uh, a, a a visit to those trails. It's a holy place. You'll likely see some elite runners out there. Um, for after the competition, you should go to the Wild Duck, which, again, a lot of the competitors and coaches will be there. Um, and uh, there's the uh, no one has mentioned this, and maybe they're out of business these days. It just shows my age. Rennie's, we got to talk about Rennie's, right? Is, is that still there? Still alive? I think it's still there. Yeah, not Taylor's, but yeah, old Taylor's is gone. Yeah. Yeah. Go up on that upper patio, get some cheesy fries, get a, yeah. As I'm ho hoping most of our listeners will know, those are the, those are the prime student drinking halls, right? Those are the, where everybody goes. Well, I'm going to hop in then. I, this is a place that did not exist when I was in college, but Cold Fire Brewery, which is probably one of the top 10 breweries in the state. That's someplace I would definitely hit up if I'm there. Um, and then for nostalgia purposes, I uh, used to live above pegasus pizza right by mm -hmm. campus so i'm hitting up pegasus then i'm going to espresso roma if that still exists and getting like an iced coffee um that will make me feel like i'm flying through the air there's so much caffeine oh, in yeah. it and i'm walking through campus and uh enjoying a beautiful day down in eugene all right let's go who's who's coming with me <laughs> i want to go to cold cold whatever that sounded very very good yeah, cold fire. Check it out. Well, thank you both for all of your reporting on this and for taking time to talk to me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Nader. Thanks for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. I shared a link to JFE's recent story in the episode notes. The World Athletics Championships begins July 15th and ends July 24th. Stay tuned for more coverage ahead of and at the World Championships on our websites, OregonLive.com slash Oregon22, and HereIsOregon.com slash Oregon22. If you like this show, give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find the show. And tell a friend. 
help spread the word. The best way to support our journalism is through a subscription to Oregon Live. You can do that at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Until next time.